So this smashing of the silos and swiveling quickly is great. And I actually hope that this situation has given us an opportunity to embed those behaviors into the way we do business going forward. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast from Uniform, the podcast that dives into real conversations that are happening in contact centers around the world. Here you'll experience exciting interviews with well-known thought leaders, hear compelling stories from industry experts, gain fresh insights on contact center best practices and more. So grab a beverage and tune in as we get real with Conversations That Matter. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Conversations That Matter from Unifor. I'm your host, Randy Kassar. And today we have the wonderful Jean Bliss. Jean, welcome to the show. Hey, Randy. Nice to be with you today. Yeah, so super excited to have you with us. And you have a great, great resume of really sharing what matters the most, which is the customer experience, as well as just kind of teaching leaders what really is important in people's lives, which is humanity which is the customers, which is also the employees too. That's right. It's how you grow, really how to choose to grow in an elevated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to start off, you know, we want to kind of get to know you a little bit better. So we'll do some rapid fire questions that we've prepared. And one of the things that I just mentioned was around leadership. And I'm kind of curious from you, what is the most overused word when talking about leadership? Enab- not enabling. And what is it? Empowering. Uh, empowering. What does it mean? Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, empowering. All right. And then when people talk about customer experience, what's the most overused word? Survey. Survey. All right. Well, why do you say survey? Because for a long time, that's what defined it was reacting to survey responses. Gotcha. And so people still need to kind of switch over that, switch away from that. It's it's way more than that. (laughs) Totally. And we'll get into that. All right. So on your website, customerbliss.com, and I'll put the link in the show notes. You talked about kind of how your dad inspired you and you have, you know, what is your three blocks based upon your dad's retirement story? Kind of curious, can you tell people what that all means and, sure. and how that maybe can apply to them? Sure, of course. So much of customer experience is about, as I mentioned earlier, reacting and fixing things instead of starting with what's your role in improving people's lives? What's your legacy and how do you build to that? You know, I, I really think you need to know it to build it, to live it. I learned about humanity and business as a very young person watching my dad in his Buster Brown shoe store. And he shooed a generation of children and their children's children. And when he retired, a line of people three blocks long stood to say goodbye to him that buying shoes had never been the same. And so I'm really nudging people, as my Italian grandma would say, (laughs) to uh, find your three blocks long. It's not about after you're gone. It's about right now. now. How do you want to be remembered in this moment as people, as the way you do things? No, that's very true. Uh, I see it also when I tell people about their LinkedIn profile and what they and how they want to optimize it. Like, what do you want to be known for? Right. It's it's awesome. So that's that's definitely my dad inspires me too. And that's a great real story from you. So thanks for sharing that. And so one question that we always ask on this podcast is if you had one celebrity voice that could power your contact center, where you'd call in, you get that person, and you know everything was okay. What celebrity voice would that be? Gosh, Robin Williams? <laughs> he, he definitely would. Exactly. So he'd make you start laughing. He'd make you laugh. I mean, I like Obama's voice, not from a political standpoint, but yeah. 
calming standpoint. I like Eleanor Roosevelt's voice, even though it's all crackly and everything, there's such such humanity in it. There's something about it. There's just a lot of people whose voices elude who they are as a person. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for, you know, interplay, interchange person A with person B. We're looking for humanity. Yeah, just real, real truth. Yeah. Very much so. All right. Well, thanks. So let's get on to the kind of the main questions. Those were kind of to get to know you a little bit better. So I think we, we kind of we kind of did that. And that's awesome. So to kind of start off, you know, the, the times that we're in right now, I, I think uh, we've seen a lot of change throughout different businesses and organizations. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, and you host a podcast yourself, talking to a lot of different business leaders around the world. What have you seen change since the start of the pandemic and how engagement with customers and maybe even employees has changed? Sure. Well, I think there's a fearlessness and an instinctual way of running a business right now that we always want to run a company as, but we're often limited by corporate structures and rules. And what we're seeing is the breaking out of the corporate veneer, CEOs sitting in their living rooms, talking to their people, sharing their financials because their people are worried about if they have a job or not, reaching out in a very human way with customers, the recognition that stuff has got to change and the ability to swivel, the word pivot is everybody's using it. Now I'm using swivel, (laughs) swivel to a new direction very quickly is fascinating because For a long time, we've said this is a priority and people will put it on a list and say, okay, this is going to take 18 months of churning through butter to get to this. But yet, you know, we've got fascinating companies. Tito's Gins turned from making gin to hand sanitizer. Yeah. There's so many stories of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just interviewed Chelsea Ray on Snack Nation. They immediately swiveled to, instead of sending snacks to corporations for their offices, sending snacks immediately to people's homes. So this smashing of the silos and swiveling quickly is great. I, and, and I actually hope that this situation has given us an opportunity to embed those behaviors into the way we do business going forward. Yeah, no, I know. I totally hope so. That'd be great, right? If we got some good stuff out of this. It would be. And I think we are. I mean, I, I definitely, you hear those stories. I mean, the good stories doesn't get enough press <laughs> and attention in the media, right? I mean, that's why John Krasinski created that Some Good News that's right. YouTube channel. Now he sold it to some other company, but I mean. Oh, did he sell it? He sold it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said that, you know, this is, I started with like six or seven episodes, I think it was. And he decided, you know, this is good. I did my job for humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now he's, I assume he's executive producer, but I'm not sure. But I think wow, he was, good for him. Yeah. He got, yeah. He, it was great. Yeah. In fact, I do a Monday podcast. Sometimes I call it the daily dose of optimism for the same reason. We need to find the good. There's a lot of good going on. Yeah. Totally. But I, what's been fascinating and weird about this time is we think we're over the hill and then we have another cliff we fall off of. And so there's been so many peaks and valleys, it's easy to get consumed by what's happening. Yeah, very much so. All right. So in terms of when an organization is dispersed around the world, so here at Unifor, we have, you know, we're essentially 250 plus employees. Everyone's at home. <laughs> we have 250 plus offices now. And I'm curious from your take in terms of how the remote working world has kind of changed the way that we, we work now. What are the priorities that leaders need to take for their employees and for their customers? Well, you know, from an employee standpoint, you have to make sure you have a company that's running so that you can pay them and make sure that there's an entity. And it sounds weird, but a big part of it is making sure you make the hard decisions to stay afloat and that yeah. you do the same thing with your customers and partners. And so that means going out to your customers and 
and asking what they need right now, what their goals are, because I guarantee you the goals they had five months ago are not now. They're probably about survival and other things. I think the other thing that's really critical is complete fearlessness and transparency in communication with your customers and your employees. You know, we're finding that people need sit downs. They need honest talk. They don't want a lot of baloney or packaging. And, And so I think that's it. I think focus is important. Don't do too many things. And really uniting the company, those silos, smash them down and bring everybody together to do the two or three important things and then go on to the next. It's really driving a different way of operating, different way of behaving. Yeah, I know. It it totally is. And and there are very inherent and visible opportunities that sometimes you just need to listen to the employees or even I was talking to Shep Hyken earlier on the podcast and we were talking about just making a call to a customer, just seeing how they're doing. Yeah. Well, we've been bringing groups of 10 and 15 customers together on the Brady Bunch patch yeah. on Zoom or wherever. And just even networking them together is helpful because what they like is hearing how others are getting through it, as well as they thank you for bringing them together and sharing information. So I think I've done almost 30 or 40 oh, wow. sessions like that for different companies where we're actually hosting these conversations. And again, it's this bravery. Listening in this way is brave. You don't have an agenda. You're not selling anything. You're basically saying, what do you need? And how are you doing? And let's share how everybody else is doing it. And we cycle the senior leaders through it as well. Because, you know, what I've learned from over 35 years of doing this work is you can present survey results 45 times, but it takes one time of listening to a customer and seeing them eyeball to eyeball that they're like, why are, why are we doing this? We're like, we've been telling you this for five years. <laughs> so that's why this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get real, to break through, and to take the customer off the spreadsheet and understand the humanity of who they are and you know, do it. Do it. It doesn't cost you anything. No, it doesn't. You just need to take that leap of faith yeah. and, and do it. Very true. That's awesome. Those Zoom calls, I think, are, are definitely key. Yeah, sounds- they're powerful. And again, we've been doing them with clusters of customers, which has been really great. Awesome. And employees too. Employees too, yeah. Cool. So you're a book author. You're in four books. Sure. Which is, that's a, a feat in itself. Yeah, here's my latest one. Did you did you see it? It's called, Would You Do That to Your Mother? Yes. Really great for the contact center space, actually, because it's, it's all the stuff of, a lot of it about enabling your employees to rise, do the right thing, get rid of the rules that get in their way, you know, all that stuff where people feel tied up. Yeah, I've been <laughs> I've been actually taking that mantra that you have in terms of would you do this to your mother yeah. throughout my job since the, the first time we met about a year ago. And uh, it's definitely uh, helped a lot of organizations just to kind of like take a step back and like, wait a minute. Yeah, just it's so simple. Yep. It's pretty simple stuff, but hard. It is. But now that's the other thing that's a gift about right now. It, it's really doing a great thing about our zeroing in on what matters. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff is falling away. A lot of the noise is falling away. So one of the books, other books that you wrote was back in 2015, which is hard to think of, right? That's five years ago. Chief Customer Officer 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Chief yeah. Customer Officer 2.0, yeah. And one of the things that you talked about was the building a customer listening path, which I think is yep. super important in, in, in today's world. It is. <laughs> and... One of the things oh, there it is. That, that you mentioned, yeah, I just kind of wanted to show that to, to people just to give a kind of yeah. a good visual. And the reason I bring it up is, you know, in today's age, compared to maybe five years ago, AI plays a really big, important role in terms of how data is analyzed in real time, even post. 
And I think given today's world in terms of contact center operation leaders, how do you think AI has empowered leaders? And I hate using that word because that's the word that you that you, yeah, no, that you okay. mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but that's why I had my notes. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's just, it's a funny word unless you do something about it. We banty the word around yeah. a lot. Well, you know, I, I think about listening as the convergence of multiple sources of information. Yeah. And, you know, the way I try to explain AI to people is that, you know, we have lots of sources of information. We have social media, we have the stuff your customers call in or text or whatever you about. We have feedback you get from their notes as they're returning something or interacting with you. We have verbatim feedback from surveys, but we also have behavioral information, which comes in this way of AI and lets you know what they need, who they are, etc. And the way I've been trying to explain to people thinking about AI, AI is about building your respect delivery machine. And respect delivery comes from two things. You know who I am and you know what I need and you know what I need it. And so it should actually be building and giving you this optimization for wiring respect into your operating model. We get crazy about all these things, AI, digital, et cetera, and look at them separately. Yeah. But you can see from the journey I have here is that you should think about each section of this. I've stopped calling it a journey map. I'm actually calling it a goal map. For each customer goal, what will you learn from the data? What will you learn from what customers tell you? And how will you build that engine for respect? And it bumps up the work of the business to a higher place. And I think it's it's super powerful. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the data sometimes is siloed, yep. but it is a matter of making sure that that gets viewed across the whole well, organization. Yeah, you know, you call in, think about your life as a customer. I talk about so much of this in, in the mom book. You call into a place, you're a five-year high-level customer And they don't have your information. And the poor phone operator or whoever is going to spout to you some kind of a policy. And the first thing you think in your mind is actually two things. Don't you know me and don't you know how much I'm worth? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And now you're angry at this call center person. It's not their fault. Yeah. Because they weren't given the data and they weren't given the trust to make the call. Right. To take the action in the moment that's going to save you and grow you a customer in a much more powerful way than some random policy we created in a boardroom somewhere. So that's why AI also builds a respect delivery machine back to your agents and your call center people. If you give them the information and you train them and you hire them the right way, they can make the call. And when you let people in the moment make the call, guess what? You also save operational money because you and I know if you call somebody and you don't get the right answer, what do we do? click we click and we call back again for now another dial for dollars <laughs> yeah. right yeah. and now it's costing the company more money it's called service roulette and we're playing it every day yeah no i've done that with lots expensive. of companies service roulette is expensive yeah. the, the customer doesn't know it because <laughs> they just want the answer <laughs> but well, behind the scenes yeah. they want an empathetic answer and they want somebody that doesn't pass them on yeah. or put them on hold or say i don't know you know yeah, yeah. there's so many things oh, yeah now for a short break, let's learn more about Unifor. Unifor is the global leader in conversational service automation. The company's vision is to disrupt an outdated customer service model by bridging the gap between human and machine using voice, AI, and automation so that every voice on every call is truly heard. For more information about Unifor, go to www.unifor.com, email podcast at unifor.com, or tweet at Unifor. Now back to the podcast. 
Why are you laughing? Oh no, I I just I'm laughing because of the the, the scenarios that I go through what? as a customer. I mean, I, I just I go through it so often, whether it's my cable service provider. Well, yeah, and that's why in the mom I can list book, out so many different products. That's right, and that's why in the mom book, I actually think you've seen this. I I actually you know hired a cartoonist. So this one, we get it. This is about the cable guy. I've had breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack, and the cable guy is still not here. You know, are you running your company on customer time or your time? time, And we're giving ourselves green dots because we're saying we took the customer call. The green dot should be, did we get there on time and did we spend enough time? You know, there's this whole thing around cable companies and all kinds of people who do home care and home services, which is they give you a window And you think the window is when they're going to not only get there and be completed, but the window is just when they're going to arrive. Yeah, when they're going to start. And so we're operating on our time and and the customers canceled a bunch of things or stayed home and they had no idea. Yeah. They get there at the end of the window and now they don't realize they got to stay two more hours because the window begins. Your window is not their window. Especially in in today's world, working parent, three kids. Are you homeschooling? (laughs) Yes. Oh. Yes. So, I mean, not you know, summertime right now, but you know, definitely has happened where five o'clock rolls around. That's the time. That's the end of the time slot that they gave. And then I'm cooking dinner. My wife's commuting back. She's a nurse practitioner, so she's commuting back from work. So she has to go to work. So it's been, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been challenging. But it's interesting, the windows are wrong. <laughs> the calibration <laughs> of the timing is wrong. Exactly. Totally. One of your recent podcasts with Tom Peters, yes, which was great. I was practically crying. It was so fascinating. It was, and I watched it. It was really good. And you know, I grew up, you know, going to business school over at San Jose State nearby here. And he he was on one of the lists of books that you would read, and and just yeah. So I I was like, one, I'd actually never seen him in in person. Oh well. So the the video portion of of it was great. Yeah. He was real. It was a really, I was so honored and touched to have the conversation in it. Yeah. We're still playing it on my loop on LinkedIn Live. And in fact, we can give the link of where people can go find it too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll put that in the, in the show notes and get people that. So he mentioned as a leader, first priority is taking care of your people and, and their family. And speaking, you know, we just talked about family a little there. But kind of curious on your thoughts on that in, in terms of leaders and, and how they need to focus on kind of the reality of the situation and not just health, but mental health. And how does that play into the way that leaders are going to be kind of going forward? It's definitely, it's not just because of COVID. It just it should have happened in the past. How do you see that? Well, right. and, and that's why we can take this as a gift if, if we let ourselves, yeah, right? You right. know, dad always said, Jeannie, you can learn from this if you let yourself. You know, I had one of the other interviews I had was with Horst Schultze, who is the co-founder of Ritz-Carlton. Yeah. And, you know, I, the first thing I expected him to talk about was taking care of your employees. And, and what he said was, I'm all for taking care of your employees, but the first thing you need to do, need to, do to take care of them is make sure there's a business that's still running. Yeah. If the business goes out of business, you can't take care of your employees. Yeah, you pay them, yeah. So you have to make the hard decisions. Then you've got to really understand your employees, take care of them, but also help them understand the business you're in and the hard decisions that you're going to have to make to stay in business and give them a seat at the table wherever possible. The other thing is we need to go back out to customers and ask our customers, again, what's important to you? Because I guarantee you, for example, the surveys you were sending six months ago, the precepts of what you want them to tell you how well you're doing on, that stuff may or may not be relevant right now. And so you've got to reset the goal map. What goals do customers have right now? And then from there, you reset the employee map. 
So if we know the goals customers have, we can now say to our employees, here's our customers' goals. What do you need to help us achieve those? And, And in that way, culture is not a hovercraft over the operation, but embedded into the operation. And that's where I think a lot of this has kind of not been as impactful as it could be because we've looked at culture as a separate thing to the operation. And culture is really about enabling our people to deliver value, you know, enabling somebody on a call to make the call, give them enough information, connect the dots on the data across five silos so they don't have to have five toggling screens up. I remember when I was training phone operators a million years ago at Land's End, you know, initially they had to have like six different screens up. How easy is that for an operator? You know, I mean, a contact center person or anyone. So, so much of it, one of the things that we've done that would be great for employees is if you're brave enough, start what I call a kill a stupid rule movement. Get your employees to identify the stuff that just makes no sense. Those policies that they're constantly having to give exceptions to because customers find them ridiculous or unbending and employees are demoralized by them, right? Because we are putting our employees in a position of having to defend something that's incongruent with how they would act in their real life, in their personal life. That's true. I mean, those agents, they're the first line of defense in a way, right? And so their reality, their truth, especially now, because they're probably working from home, is even more so important for them to kind of share. Well, and that's why I'm hoping leaders, this breakthrough, this with this humility and honesty and humanity, we need to, you know, we want to work for companies. And as customers, we gravitate toward companies that have what I call congruence of heart and habit. They really are clear about their purpose, you know, going back to my dad's story and they, they live it, they operationalize it and their operations are congruent with that. So you, you never feel at a disconnect where you're doing something that isn't for the long-term growth. Now I know that sometimes right now we're going to have to make some trade-offs, but even in those trade-offs, it's having a lens for decision-making that says, okay, we're doing this for the good of the business. We're going to let our customers know if we're putting them in a bit of a jam, but we're going to be fearless enough to engage them with this versus giving them, you know, a we gotcha moment where people are just stepping into something and then our employees are stepping into it. Yeah. Let's switch topics a little bit and talk about metrics and insights for a minute. You briefly alluded to that previous answer. How are leaders supposed to measure customer experience these days. I mean, it's, well, has it changed over the, in the past I'm year? I'm a broken record on it. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, it's the it's about growth. Okay. Did you keep more customers than you lost? And did you keep more valuable customers than you lost? And knowing the answer why. And so it's really, I in my book, CCO2.0, I talk about it, honoring customers as the asset of your business. A lot of times we measure how many widgets we sold or how many things we pushed or how many likes we got on Instagram. Well, at the end of the day, the whole reason we're in business is because we have customers. So did we keep more customers than when we lost? And it's math. And it's not a sales number. It's as a result right. of the experience we all delivered. Did we earn the right to grow? In this month or quarter or year, we brought in X number of customers. But in the same month or year, we lost X number of customers, volume and value. And that's our customer asset metric. You can get into the details of the why then through your other listening and your surveys and other things. But the major metric is really about growth. It's got to be about customer growth. You can do the same thing around partner growth as well as employee growth. Yeah, one of the things that 
you just talked about that. Yeah, Yamini. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. You, that was a great podcast too. And, and you wrote on this tweet, it's just a quote from her. Ultimately, the metric that everybody should care about is revenue retention. Yeah. Right? And I think Which that's what you're saying. It's the kissing cousin, right? She's, she's yeah. talking about <laughs> it in, in terms of revenue. I like to talk about it in terms of the humans at the end of the decision because I want people to imagine the customers leaving. Yeah. That's the other thing. I, I don't want people to talk about retention rates in percentages, because it gives you a false positive. If you're just talking about 67%, you're not imagining the amount that has to come out of the bottom of the bucket for you to just retain 67%. That's true. Or the quality of the people who left you. I always say, I want to give you agita. I'm Italian, sick in the belly. So <laughs> we, we brought in 10,000, but we lost 8,500. And 8,500 human beings that walked away from us are worth 40% more than the new 10,000 we brought in. So one is not equal to one. Yeah. That's true. But we don't do the math. We don't do the math. That yeah, that that's <laughs> that's hard to to imagine that that's not happening. But who, who am I? <laughs> but hopefully, this conversation will shed the light on on these type of opportunities and just kind of a, a strategies. How, but you've got to get agreement in the company. What's new? Yeah. What's lost? What's lapsed? And will we be brave enough to roll it up all the product categories together? Versus reporting by product by product category because yeah. your CEO doesn't get a whole view then you get a dissect the view. And so uh, I love that I love them. One, one thing that I wanted to do we're going to start with a segment we call your posts. Let's dive in and, oh, and okay. these are the posts that you've posted on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> okay. And so this one was one from July first. We're seeing. And I'll just uh, read this to you. We're seeing as a wonderful foundational shift of trusting our people unconditionally to do the right thing to work the right number of hours. That is. Very yes. key in today's world, and to get the job done. That's right. Tell us a little bit more about that one, and that was from your daily dose of optimism. Sure. So that was one of the daily dose of optimisms that I had done. I've been doing little video vignettes as well around those, and it was a professor. Don't remember where it was. University of uh, Minnesota. Says, yeah. Minnesota. Tom Peters talks about this too, where she wrote a letter to her whole faculty and said look, we know that you're not only teaching our students, but now you're teaching your own students at home. Here's the deal. I trust you. You're an adult. Manage your time. If you need to take four hours out to take care of your kids or whatever, I recognize that you're committed to our purpose and what we need. I trust you to make the call of how much time to spend and where and, and how, and I believe you that you'll get the job done. And I think that that underbelly of trust is powerful. It is. All right. So that's that one. And then the next one that we'll take a look at is... So this one, do you take disruptions in customers' lives personally? Do you make sure customers know that they need your help and that you're on it? Here are the two options that create fans when customers are stressed. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. This is about proactivity. AI helps a lot with this. Your data, your information, are you you measuring and tracking the right things operationally? Mm -hmm. So for example... If you didn't get the closing documents to your customer on time and the moving van is there, but they haven't been funded, do you know that before all the rapid fire hysterical questions occur? If somebody didn't make their flight, are you on it before the frantic calls come? If the shipment with the barrettes for your child's dance recital, when they were having them, (laughs) doesn't get there on time or the wedding gown or whatever, are you tracking that thing? And do you recognize that you have disrupted people's lives in a B2B standpoint. If you've got somebody waiting for a proposal and you don't get the data or the information or you, or a site goes down 
and you're managing websites and somebody's going to lose a lot of their business, are you recognizing that? And are you doing things ahead of the time to make sure that happens? And if it, heaven forbid, happens because we have companies run by human beings and even the machines sometimes have glitches. Of course. Are you on it? Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, that's definitely, that's what makes, I think, the difference and sets the bar for the kind of high level customer service for, for some companies say like, right. Not that Apple does everything right, but in some cases they do. I just use that as an example. Well, and I call being an elevated kind of company. It's not, it's not just that you say Apple service is great. You say Apple is a company yeah. is a different kind of company because they wired all this in, you know, Chewy, the dog, the animal company, yeah. and, you know, they sell pet yeah, 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 I know one, yeah. They're beloved because they do that stuff. Yeah. Did you know that they paint for a certain number of their customers whose pet has died? They actually have, I don't know if they do anymore. Hopefully they're still doing this. They have people who paint pictures oh, wow. of the passed away animal and they send them. Gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine that. That brings tears to my eyes. I mean, I, I literally, I, 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 I'm a pet owner too. I have two cats. They also answer, you know, every, every tweet or whatever within 10 seconds, you know, so they yeah. have the other metrics operationally that they were on it, yeah. but then they do all, then they do these things that say, whoa, I want to, I will forevermore be buying my dog food from them. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes you want to come back. But they're very big on empowerment of their people. Yeah. They, they live it. You know, they've operationalized it. All right. So those are some of the tweets that you've written recently. And at Gene Bliss is your Twitter handle. We'll put that in the show yep. links as well. And to kind of end uh, another game, we love games on this podcast. Yeah. And now, so we're going to do a quick fun word association game. Whatever comes to mind, you'll just Uh-oh. blurt it out. <laughs> we'll see what we got. Seattle. Rain. LinkedIn Live. Happy. Disruption. Opportunity. Leadership. Love. Automation. Um, say it again. Do it later. <laughs> okay. Let's skip. Uh, health. Love. Pizza. Italian. Uh, 2020. No. <laughs> okay. Skip. And, and back to, and back to, no, and back to automation. Fast. And there you go. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time today. Thank you so yeah. much. It's been good to catch up. And just to end on this note, just tell people how to connect to you. So what's kind of some of the latest great content and conversations that you're having on your podcast? Right. Yeah. So my website is customerbliss.com. That's my real last name. I didn't make it up. I married a guy named Bliss. I just lucked out. And on LinkedIn, it's at Gene Bliss, I think. But if you go to hashtag Gene Bliss Live, you will be able to get all of the LinkedIn Live videos in a row and you can watch them. We've had amazing people, Seth Godin, Tom Peters, lots of amazing practitioners and on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend it. So for those of you that are listening either on audio or video, definitely check her LinkedIn Lives out. It's timely, it's relevant, and it definitely will help your business. Awesome. Stay safe out there and thank you so much. Yeah, definitely stay safe and we will talk to you soon. Thanks again, Jean. Appreciate it. You have been listening to the Conversations That Matter podcast by Unifor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and rate and review to enable us to create relevant and valuable content for your business. If you'd like to learn more about conversational service automation, visit Unifor.com. Have a great day.